It's Colossians 2, 1 through 10, and 18 and 19. That section is titled Spiritual Fullness in Christ. For I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for Laodicea and for all of you who have not seen me face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the richness of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery that is Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am saying this so that no one may deceive you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. And I rejoice to see your morale and the firmness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, continue with him in your lives, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions, puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with growth that is from God. May God bless the reading of his word. Wow, that is full of theology and technical language, isn't it? Did you take notes? Because I did thankfully. Um, But here's the thing, too. We can get caught up in all that technical language and forget that uh, these letters, letters from Paul, are just that, letters. They're not a textbook of theology. It is not a treatise on uh, doctrine, although it sounds, it's rich with doctrine. No, it is, it's a letter a letter of guidance, a letter of encouragement, a letter of correction. And each of those times that you have a letter, I'm kind of a a Paul and letter geek. I have been for a long time. I love the letters of Paul. And I tell you why, because they're in response to something. They are it's when you're studying, you say, what is he saying? What does this mean? And and what it is, is how to figure it out. It's like trying to figure out uh, what, that, uh, what that issue was. What's going on in that place that Paul wrote this letter? It's kind of like listening to a telephone con- one side of a telephone conversation, and from the person that you're with and what they're saying in that conversation, figuring out what they're saying on the other end. That's what that interchange and, and, and is all about. But, you know, it's about usually about problems or uh, emphases. They've gotten off track. It's kind of like that GPS. They've gotten off track. They needed to be reminded about something. They needed to uh, understand it differently. 
And, uh, and, it, and it's kind of, it's encouraging to get this because maybe we're going through similar kind of things and so forth. But also what's encouraging is, you know, um, there are problems in churches, even way back in the early church. So oftentimes we idolize the early church and think, if we can be like them, um, we'll, be, we'll have the right formula. We won't be messy anymore. But hey, if it wasn't for the mess in the early church, we wouldn't have these letters. Thank God for a little bit of messiness because being, they're real people and the church has always been a messy place because we're messy. We're all trying to be real people growing in faith and practice and thank the good Lord they had problems that needed to be addressed that give us guidance. It's like Paul says in um, 1 Corinthians to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 10. It's, it's titled by the NRSV as warnings from e- Israel's history. I love that title because it's saying, read the Old Testament. He's telling to the New Testament church, read the Old Testament and don't do what they did in this situation. Warnings. It's like my father always said to me, it's good to learn from your mistakes, but it's better to learn from others' mistakes. <laughs> right? Uh, we have that opportunity. Now, I'm going to read to you real quick before we pray and get into this message, um, uh, the introduction from Eugene Peterson's The Message about this church in, in Colossae. Where's Colossae, you might say? Well, if you go to the center of Laodicea and make a, uh, a um, southeastern turn and go about 100 miles, you're in Colossae. Okay? Where's Laodicea? Okay, Laodicea is mostly in the southern part of Turkey. That was a rich area for the early church. Um, Antioch, I mentioned Antioch in the, in the uh, children's message. They were first called Christians in Antioch. Uh, the Christian movement went out from Jerusalem with the diaspora, and it started to go into uh, the Mediterranean area, but it first went up north to Syria and southern Turkey. And Antioch, they were first called Christians there. And it actually was a term of derision. It was Christians, which was little Christs. And, and it stuck. Oh, those little Christs, what are they up to now? And, uh, and they said, oh, that's a good name. We want to be little Christs. We want to be in the image of Christ. We want to be called little Christs. And uh, so that's where that comes from. Anyway, back to Colossae. Hardly anyone who hears the full story of Jesus and learns the true facts of his life and teaching, his crucifixion, his resurrection, walks away with a shrug of the shoulders, dismissing Jesus as unimportant. People ignorant of the story or misinformed about it, of course, regularly dismiss him, but with few exceptions, the others know instinctively that they're dealing with a remarkable, remarkable greatness. But it is quite common for those who consider him truly important to include others in that company of important, Buddha, 
Moses, Socrates, and Muhammad for a historical start, along with some personal favorites. For these people, Jesus is important, but not central. His prestige is considerable, but not preeminent. Now, we've experienced that here in the Seattle region. Pretty synchristic. We got lots and lots of things. Oh, Jesus is one of many. And that's kind of like what Colossae was going through. The Christians in the town of Colossae, or at least, uh, uh, or at least some of them, seem to have been taking this line as well. For them, the cosmic forces of one sort or another were getting equal billing with Jesus. And so Paul's letter is awesome in scope in this Colossians. Paul writes to them in an attempt to restore Jesus, the Messiah, as the center and preeminent part of their lives. Christ occupies the center of creation and salvation without peer. With that, let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for your word given to us in the written words of Scripture and for your living word, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit open to us to re- open us to receive your word and be transformed by it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. The title of my sermon, and I love this picture um, uh, because I want to talk about, because the actual title is uh, the subtitle, which is Missing the Forest for the Trees, and I love it that it's a forest. Uh, This is a beautiful picture as well, um, but it's a lone uh, tree. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because oftentimes we uh, miss the forest for the trees as it relates to the church. Paul likes his metaphors, so I think Paul would feel at home here. Paul loves metaphors, whether it's athletics, the human body, whatever metaphor. And he often mixes his metaphors, which is great, you know, that's okay. Um, But I think he would like this trees and this forest metaphor that I'm going to be focusing on. How many know the poem by Joyce Kilmer, Trees? Remember that? I learned that as a kid in school. And uh, it goes like this, and you probably will recognize it. He wrote, I think I shall never see a poem as lovely as a tree. Yeah, there you go. That's it. A tree that looks at God all day and lifts her leafy arms to pray. What a metaphor. What a beautiful image of a tree lifting its leafy arms in prayer and praise of the Creator God. Kilmer's tree would understand the words of Paul to the Colossians. Live your lives in Jesus Christ. I'm going to focus on this verse in verses, uh, verses 6 and 7. Rooted, rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Rooted and built up. Rooted and built up. Kirmler was known for his poetry that celebrated nature as well as the Christian faith. Joyce Kilmer loved trees, and he gave us a beautiful image of a tree lifting his branches to God in prayer. In modern memes, his poem is often attached to a picture of a single tree standing alone against the sky. But Kilmer knew 
that no tree is isolated and alone. In fact, in one of the verses, he says, a tree whose hungry mouth is pressed against the earth's sweet flowing breast. This is not a praying tree only. It is a nursing and nurturing tree. Trees do not live alone. Although we often think of them as individuals standing by themselves with roots in the ground and branches high in the sky, they need soil and water and air and sunshine, but they also need cooperation. They also need community. Good things happen underground in a forest. More than 100 years after Kilmer's death, research reveals that social cooperation is thriving in our forests. According to the magazine, the Atlantic, an ecologist named Suzanne Simard has studied the underground network called Mycorrhiza. In these networks, fungal fibers fastened to tree roots, one underneath and beneath the forest floor. And trees are not lonely at all. They are bound together deeply under the floor of the forest. And if you dig up the earth around a tree, you'll find a network of these fungal fibers. And these fibers carry water and carbon and nitrogen and biochemicals information to the trees that are related between trees of the same species, even between trees of different species. A community is created in the forest by the mycorrhizal networks. In them, a a fungus assists the trees by helping supply their needs, and the trees help the fungus by feeding it as well. And the church is like the forest in that good things happen when you go underground. Now, there are, uh, there are a few verses that we didn't read in there and the in-between, and they, are the, they go like this. When you were buried with Christ in baptism, that's the underneath stuff. And it says Paul to the Colossians, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Every bit of spiritual nourishment we receive comes from our connection to God and Jesus. God, quote in verses 13 through 15, God made you alive together with him, says Paul, when he forgave us all our trespasses. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and made public example of them, triumphing over them. Faith, new life, forgiveness, victory over earthly powers, All of this is supplied to us by Jesus, the one who connects us to God, to himself, and to others. You might call him the mycorrhizal Christ. The stuff underneath that links it all. According to this ecologist Simard, trees in the forest are engaged in a kind of of mutual aid society, connected by the mycorrhiza. Resources are rerouted from trees in the sunlight to those that are growing in the shade, trees that have surplus water to those that are dehydrated. She has even found that signals are sent from bug-infested trees to healthy ones nearby. The whole circle of life is found 
in the forest community. And the bottom line is this, trees are not competitive organism. Instead, each tree invests in the well-being of the forest as a whole, the mycorrhiza. When Paul was writing to the followers of Christ in the, in the town of Colossae, the Apostle Paul sounded like a, a, in a great deal like a forest ecologist. He writes, As you are therefore have received Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him. Christians are not to be isolated individuals, individuals coming to an event, individuals in this room that is disconnected, but a church, a forest. Christians are not to live as isolated individuals, but rooted in Christ, nourished by Christ, built up in Christ. According to Paul, Christians are linked at a very deep level to Jesus Christ, and when we act as his people, we become a kind of mutual aid society. The nourishment from Christ and share it with each other. The mycorrhiza illustrates this. And when we remain rooted in Christ, we find the words of Paul to the Colossians come true. The whole body, in verse 19, the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews and grows with a growth that is from God. In the ancient and still here, Ethiopian Orthodox teaching and church, they say this about a church. A church, to be a church, should be enveloped by a forest. It should resemble the Garden of Eden. A hundred years ago, the Ethiopian highlands was one big continuous forest. That big continuous forest has been eaten away a little bit by, by agriculture, but it has remained such a strong forest and it has always been said in this church that God gives mercy when you pray there. The spiritual connectivity is so strong. What a wonderful image for the church. Not a single tree, but the forest. The forest. How we need to hear this message in the Western church today. How we need to hear that in our commuter communities. That's an oxymoron, by the way. But that's what we are. We're frenzied, we're disconnected, we're isolated, sometimes even from our own families. And we miss the forest for the trees. We miss the church for the Christian. Scattered, disconnected, fragmented, frenzied, and focused on the individual. Let's not miss the force for the trees. And it begins by being rooted in Christ. Nothing is more important than Christian formation, which begins in childhood and continues till our lives on this earth comes to an end. Most of this happens in the home where parents, where parents show what being, show um, that are challenged to show the children a Christ-like love, where spouses are to, as faithful to each other as Christ is to the church. 
The church can help families do this by helping them form the qualities that Paul lays out later in Colossians in chapter 3 of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of meekness, of patience. The stuff that makes a strong mycorrhiza forest. Then we communicate with each other. Like mycorrhizal fibers, we carry information between different parts of, the, of Christ's body, another metaphor of Paul's. And this is done best in face-to-face conversation, but we can be done carefully and gently through other forms of communication as well. Through this pandemic, we're learning that, how to keep that connection strong. It's a challenge, but we've got to do it. Faith communities speaking lovingly but truthfully to other members. None of that is possible without a willingness to be more than just an individual, but to be part of community. It takes a risk to open oneself to a wounded ego or slings and arrows or even a broken heart. We need to be gentle. We need to be gracious, not judgmental. We need to make room for everyone's flaws and failures, and we try to build each other up. And then we nourish each other and sacrifice for each other. Mycorrhizal fibers carry water and carbon and nitrogen and nutrients from tree to tree in the same way we carry encouragement, guidance, and support from person to person. We do that when we lift the spirits of people who feel discouraged or disconnected. When when we mentor teenagers who are struggling with their faith. And all is given, and and this involves much more than that. As members of Christ's community, we invest not only in the welfare of individuals, but in the well-being of the church as a whole. This involves gifts of time and talents and financial support, all given in support of the mission and ministry of the church as a whole, our calling together. And finally, we grow with the growth that is from God, as it said in that last verse, verse 19. We grow deeper when we study and reflect on God's Word, when we ask the Holy Spirit to help us pray with sighs too deep for words, as it says in Romans 8, and when we enter deep-spirited friendship with people around us. You know, I've been a Presbyterian minister for close to 36 years now. And and a number of you have been ordained, your deacons or elders and so forth. I love our ordination vows, but there's often a part that we miss because it's not stressed so much sometimes. We know the one, do you trust in the, Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That's that undergirding stuff. Do you accept the Scriptures? Old New Testament, do you sincerely receive the essential tenets of the Reformed faith as an expression of our understanding of the Scriptures? All that is the foundational root stuff. 
Do you receive uh, and adopt the essential tenets? Will you fulfill your ministry in obedience under the authority of Scripture and the confessions, undergirding rootedness? But here's where the rubber meets the road. It says, will you be governed by the church's polity and will you abide by its discipline? Will you be a friend among your colleagues? Now, isn't that a nice phrase? I mean, you know, you say, oh, yeah, that's, that's... Holy friendship is the stuff that this is about. Being a friend, a friend, is how that works. Being a friend moves you from your isolation and your, your self-centeredness to being apart and connected to others. This is growing deeper with God and each other, starting to understand what the body of Christ, the church, is. The forest of God. Then is uh, talking about growing larger. Growing larger in impact and presence. It's not always numbers. But it's growth and impact. Not just here in the bubble, but out there in our neighborhood especially. We need to also need to grow larger by planting seeds in the community around us. We do this by sharing the gospel in, other, in new ways, in whatever way we can. With new opportunities comes this pandemic. Now we're learning about podcasts and blogs and live streaming services of worship. And we do this by knocking at doors and keeping and getting to know our neighbors and we do best by sharing the love of Jesus with our family and uh, family and members and and our friends. We bump up against that commuter community idea of being disconnected and being compartmentalized and fragmented. Let's not miss the forest for the trees. How we need to hear this message today. Grow deeper, God in each other, growing larger in impact in God's presence. That's a life that is rooted and built up in Christ and established in the Christian faith. A mycorrhizal ministry. A mycorrhizal church. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Amen.